The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Do you care about Jesus? No, I mean really. Do you care about Jesus? I know. We care about many things. We care about the entertainment we'd like. We care about our wife or our husband. We care about our children. We care about our our plans for the holidays. We care about going and working out and exercising. We care about which grocery store we go to. We care about many things. But do we care about Jesus? No, I mean, do we really care about Jesus? Is he the very center of our hearts? Does it matter what he thinks about you? Does it does it really matter what he thinks about you? In the scripture we find the story in Mark the 4th chapter. There's a parable that Jesus is teaching about a farmer who went out to sow the seed, and Jesus, speaking about this farmer, said he was going to tell us the secrets of the kingdom of God, that he's going to give us those secrets. The sower went out to sow, and he said, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, Hear the word, but the worries or the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things comes in and chokes the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on the good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times what was sown. Now the question is, do you care about Jesus? And does that care result in you bringing forth a harvest of righteousness in your life? Righteousness simply means innocence. Are you innocent today before God? Or do you have condemnation in your heart? Do you have a guilty conscience? 
You have a dead conscience. In this parable, Jesus is saying that the cares of this life is like a thorn growing up and choking out anything that might grow in your life. Another word we could use there is responsibilities. The responsibilities of this life. The things that we have taken on that we say, yes, I'm going to do this because that's what I want. What responsibility have you taken on for Jesus and his kingdom? What responsibility are you fulfilling? Are you simply a consumer? Do you come and listen to this broadcast? Do you attend church? Do you sit down and you consume the television and the entertainment? And then you work hard at your job and make money and then consume it? Are you just basically a consumer of everything that you like and enjoy? Are you a consumer of other people's adoration and love toward you? Or are you a producer? I often have said, I don't like it when people come and put bricks in my backpack. I like people who come instead and remove the bricks, the heavy load of responsibility, sharing in the work of the gospel, sharing in the call of Jesus Christ to reach, to reach you. I'm very blessed to have in the congregation at the National Prayer Chapel a whole team of godly men and women who are endeavoring to get every wrinkle ironed out of our webpage at nationalprayerchapel.com. They've put many, many hours this last week into making certain that those broadcasts and messages are all available for you. And the work is ongoing. There's a great deal more to do. These men and women are taking from my backpack a load that I cannot bear to carry. I love people who have a heart to serve Jesus and who are willing to step up and care about Jesus. In this parable, there are only three kinds of tares, only three things, the secret of the kingdom of God, only three things that will block you from being a producer as the seed of God grows in your heart. One, the cares of this life. Two, the deceitfulness of wealth or the love of money. And three, the desire for other things comes in and chokes the word. Other things come in and choke out your expression of love and service to Jesus Christ. Are you choked up with the world and the love for Jesus, the care for Jesus has faded in your heart so that you are consumed by all of the pressing engagements 
and all of the responsibilities that you think you should be handling? Or is your heart soft and open toward Jesus and his people? What are you producing? Do you really care about Jesus? Now, in the book of Galatians, Paul has gone to these people in Galatia, and he has described as accurately as possible his personal experience with Jesus. He begins in chapter 2 of Galatians, verse 17. Galatians 2, 17. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, that is, as we seek to be dikasune in Christ, that is, as we seek to be rendered innocent, rendered righteous, and it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. In other words, everything has been given to me that is necessary for godliness. Second Peter, the first chapter. We enter into God by the use of the precious promises. We participate in the divine nature through these promises. But please hear me. You're going to have to care a great deal about Jesus if you are going to begin to recognize that every hope of your heart must be founded in Jesus. In fact, you must live in Jesus. Jesus is not interested in people who simply want to come and hear him or talk about him or sing songs about him. Now, Paul is saying, look, if I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. There are only two places for a, for a person to dwell. Either you dwell in the law or you dwell in Jesus. There is no other place. If you dwell in the law, you can live however you'd like to live, and then one day you'll face the judgment. And Jesus will know that you don't care about him, that you have attempted in your own power to do what you thought was necessary. Of course, you have failed in that attempt. You have been on a self-improvement track for all of your life. But you still fall far short of what God desires. <coughs> Pardon me. You still fall far short. So at some point, we have to come to terms with do we live under the law, or do we live in Jesus Christ? Now, you can't live in sin and in Jesus at the same time. 
if you're walking in sin, you live under the law. And the penalty of the law applies to your heart. And all of this is driven basically by what and who you care about. If you care about Jesus, you will dwell in Jesus, washed and made clean. Many of you, as I speak with you and get notes, letters from you, phone calls, you're caught in between. You know you're not right with Jesus, but you don't want to enter into him because there are things in your life you want to keep. There are things in life that you enjoy, and you know Jesus will not keep them if you enter into him. You know he's not going to bring a television set into himself. You know he's not going to bring the world's entertainment into himself. So that means if you're going to enjoy portions of the world, you're going to have to be outside of Jesus not inside of Jesus. And if you're outside of Jesus, you're under the law. He says, if I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. And then he begins this incredible statement. I have been past tense. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. In other words, he does not have a life outside of Jesus Christ. If you have a life outside of Jesus, you are under the law, not in Jesus. He said, Christ lives in me. And I'm going to show you in just a minute where he says, and I live in Jesus. Jesus lives in me and I live in Jesus. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. The word faith means absolute, complete persuasion and in the Old Testament, faith means absolute fidelity or loyalty to. He's saying, I live by absolute persuasion that Jesus is who he says he is. And I am so persuaded that I have allowed my entire life to be cut off that I might live now in Jesus, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. That is, I do not set aside the divine influence of God that teaches me to say no to ungodliness. For if righteousness or innocence could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Now, this is Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia.
the Apostle Paul is saying that there's only one way you can gain innocence, and that is by being crucified with Jesus Christ. That means by cutting off every part of your worldly life and actually living in Jesus Christ. He is your house. He is your abode. He is the place, according to John, the 15th chapter, where you abide. You don't abide in the world. You don't abide in bitterness. You don't abide in criticism and fighting. You don't abide in your own self-righteousness. You abide in Jesus. You don't abide in your pride. You don't abide in your plans. You don't abide in your flesh. You abide in Jesus. And Paul calls that crucifixion. Now, chapter 3, Paul begins to speak very bluntly. He does not pull his punch. He says, you foolish Galatians, literally in the Greek, you lazy, careless, senseless Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. So we see very plainly, Paul is saying, look, Jesus Christ, you know, was crucified and died on Calvary for you now. He has demonstrated how much he cares for you. Will you demonstrate likewise how much you care for him? Will you allow a fire to burn in your heart that says... I must leave my old home, and I must make Jesus my home. The great sorrow of my heart is that somehow I'm not able to find the words, and I do not seem to have the power sufficient in the Holy Spirit to peace your to pierce your comfortableness with the world, the flesh, and the devil. That many of you live with a veil over your eyes. You don't see your true condition before God. You don't see that you're being weighed in the balance and found wanting and are unfit to go to heaven. You're very active maybe with church, You're very active with religion, but you have yet to come to that point of absolute decision that you will be crucified with Jesus Christ, that you will cut off everything in this world and seek after Jesus with every ounce of energy you have that you will say, Jesus, you are my only desire. Instead, you have 
a multitude of cares. You know, a young woman called me. She just left her husband. And as we talked, she was much more concerned about her puppy that had gotten into the chicken bones, and she was afraid her puppy was going to die. She was much more concerned about her dog than she was about the man she had just left. I'm not saying he didn't deserve for her to leave. I don't support divorce in any any way, but... What is it we care about? She's in the midst of this incredible crisis and concerned about her dog. We care about our our animals. We spend thousands of dollars in America every year giving our dogs surgery and every other medical treatment. We care about the holiday parties. We care about vacations and cruises. We care about Adele's latest hit. We care about the football scores. Everyone's talking about the Redskins today. We care about so many things. And if you kind of mix around in that bag, you might find one little piece that says Jesus. Oh, yes, I care about Jesus, too. care about everything. We're a caring people. Really? Paul says, you, you lazy and careless Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Could I put that in very practical terms? Did you receive the Spirit of God by paying attention to your cares? By walking under the law and the condemnation of the law? Under your supposed freedom to be any way you want to be? So your heart is sentimentally caring about Jesus. Oh, I've I've asked so many people, do you do you care about Jesus? And they all answer, Oh yes, I care about Jesus. Well, what else do you care about? What else do you care about? Every care of my heart comes out of Jesus' care. I care about coming and doing this radio broadcast with you because Jesus cares about it. I care about helping the poor because Jesus cares about helping the poor. I care about being kind and loving and yet firm and straight because Jesus cares. 
In other words, I have tried in my heart to identify everything that I can find in the Scripture that Jesus cares about, and then I've asked him to please put that care and only that care into my heart. I don't want to care about anything that Jesus doesn't care about. I can tell you today, Jesus cares deeply for the lost. Jesus cares deeply about his message of holiness going out over the airwaves in Washington, D.C. Jesus cares very much about that. So I care very much about that. And I pour my life into what he cares about. I don't want to care about anything that Jesus doesn't also care about. I want my heart to be one with the heart of Jesus. And those things that I have spent all my life caring about, that the Holy Spirit reveals to me that Jesus does not care about, I cut it off in the name of Jesus. I have made a covenant with God to only receive from his hand that which he gives to me. That means I don't go out and create my own reality. I wait on Jesus to create what he chooses to create for me. I trust him. My eyes are upon him. I care about what Jesus cares about, and I learn what Jesus cares about by reading the Scripture, by meditating upon the Scripture, by listening to the Word of God being preached and taught by godly men and women. I learn what Jesus cares about by listening to the Holy Spirit as he teaches me the way to walk. I don't have enough room in my heart to care about anything that the devil cares about. I only want to care about what Jesus cares about. He says, are you so foolish after beginning with this spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? You notice he says, your goal. He doesn't say, Are you now trying to attain Jesus' goal by human effort? Jesus' goal is righteousness for you. And the only way you can gain righteousness is by caring about what Jesus cares about and letting him plant that in your heart. Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing... See, when you set your heart on caring about only what Jesus cares about, you will suffer. You will suffer criticism and judgments. You will suffer the loss of things that the world cares about and the devil cares about. And you will go through a process of scrubbing and washing and cleansing as you are made righteous 
by faith. That is, by being absolutely convinced that your only way of life must be found in Jesus Christ. Now, I know I'm, I'm speaking quietly and logically. I want you to think quietly and logically. What is it that you care about? And do you care about Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ? Or do you still care about yourself and your ambition, your goals? You care that you don't have something that you think you should have? You care about the slights that others have made, the aspersions they've made against you? Do you care about judgments against you? Do you care about whether everyone loves you and respects you? Do you care about yourself? Or do you have a passionate, burning, caring for Jesus Christ? Have you suffered so much for nothing? In other words, you were in the process, Galatians, of having these things of the law cut off. You were in the process of being scrubbed and cleaned and changed. You were in the process of being made into the image of Jesus. You were in the process of Jesus Christ being formed in you as you were formed into Jesus, dwelling in him, being like him. Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you have heard? This was a very painful issue for me for quite a number of years because I was crying out for the Holy Spirit to come in Pentecost power. I still desire that with all of my heart because I know that is a chief concern of Jesus to save the lost and to turn them from darkness to the light. I care about what Jesus cares about. But he says, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you have heard? In other words, does, does God perform miracles of deliverance in your life, financial, emotional, spiritual, cutting off of sin, opening doors of opportunity with your business, doing all the things that he cares about doing for you and in you? Does he do that because by faith you have utterly given yourself over to Jesus? Or does he do it because you go out and create for yourself? Now, it's clear he does not work miracles for you because you go out and try to build your life your way. Let me just turn quickly and read this to you. Isaiah 50, I've shared it with you before, but... Let me read it again. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? And Jesus is the servant. Do you obey 
the word of Jesus? Do you care enough about him to cut off everything of the flesh and the world and the devil? Do you care enough about Jesus to obey his word to you? Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, walking in the dark is not necessarily sin. He's saying in this Isaiah passage in Isaiah 50 that walking in the dark simply means I don't know which way to turn. I spoke with a young man yesterday. He said, I don't have any idea what I'm supposed to do next. I don't know where I'm supposed to live. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, the Word of God says, Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord. You trust in the name of the Lord when all you care about is what he wants. You don't care about what you want anymore. You don't care about what everybody else wants. You don't care about their expectations of you anymore. You care only about Jesus' expectations and what Jesus wants in your life. That's all you care about. says, trust in the name of the Lord and rely or rest on his God. Rest on Jesus. Remain in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Be in Jesus. Trust him. He will work out everything that needs to be done. He will tell you exactly what he wants you to do and how he wants you to do it. But now... All of you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you've set ablaze. You understand, he's saying, okay, you don't want to rely on God. You want to rely on the cares you have for other people and other things. And you want to go create for yourself the way to go the way of success, the way of achievement, the way of recognition. You want to create your own reality? He says, okay, go and walk in the light that you have established. And this is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. I don't have a choice about whether I come and do this radio broadcast or not. I come because Jesus told me to come. I don't decide that I'm tired. I don't decide that I can't afford it. I come at the command of Jesus because I care about and I obey his word to me. How long am I going to do this radio broadcast till Jesus tells me to stop? I don't go and come at my will's desire, I go and come at the direction of Jesus. Some of you say, I don't hear from Jesus. Well, the reason you don't hear from Jesus is you're too far away from him to hear him when he speaks. It requires a complete crucifixion. It requires that you make a decision you only care about Jesus. And you will only follow Jesus. 
and you will care about the things that Jesus cares about, as revealed in the scriptures, as revealed in the truth of the word of God. That's why you must study the scriptures, because you need to know what Jesus cares about. You need to know his ways. You need to become acquainted with who he is and how he operates. And as you discover that, he will begin to step in and order your steps and direct your path. Now, I'm going to stop teaching for a few minutes and I'm going to open the, the mic to you to call in. You may have questions about what I've shared. You may have the need of prayer. Call right now, 877-534-0780. And obviously, you know my question is, be honest. What do you really care about? And you know, words are cheap. People say, I care about that, and then invest no time and energy. Because we care about so many things, we can't hold on to everything. So many things fall by the side that we care about. I care very much about being able to kayak or to ride my bike. I haven't been able to do that this whole summer because I was so pressed by doing all of the things that Jesus cared about, and he never told me that he cared about whether I did that or not, and so I just didn't do it. I waited on him. On the other hand, he tells me to go on a weekly basis to to exercise at the gym. He cares about my physical health, and he wants me to maintain my strength. So, what do you care about? 877-534-0780. While I wait for you to call, I'm going to share some information with you. You're welcome to come and visit with the National Prayer Chapel. We meet Tuesday evening. And we meet Sunday at 12 noon. And we meet at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Now, if you'd like directions, go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find all the information you need as well as podcasts and videos. The address of the All Saints Anglican Church 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. That's 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. We're just off I-95. Easy access. I invite you to come. We meet every Tuesday evening at 6.30 for prayer and every Sunday at 12 for our worship service, which begins with 
corporate prayer. Now, I also would like to give you our address. I thank each of you that I've heard from this month. This is a difficult month, and I just ask you to consider and pray about what you would give to keep this broadcast on the air. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Our phone number in studio is 877-534-0780. The line is open. My producer today is Brother Larry. He'll take your call, and he'll put your call through. Yes, Larry, was there a caller? And about the Sabbath, um, I've been reading in the Bible, and so far from what I've seen throughout the Bible, it says, do Sabbath. And, you know, we've all heard of and know of the debate between the Sabbath being Saturday versus Sunday. I was wondering, I heard a sermon um, by the pastor, Jack McGee, on the Bible radio, and he said, if the rich, if your heart is right, then that the ritual is right. And he was using scripture to, like, back what he was saying. Where I feel like I could be walking in darkness is because I'm unclear on going Sunday versus going Saturday. My, where my mind is, is that I just don't want to disrespect him, disrespect God where I'm not actually observing the actual, the, the day that he set aside for us to, to make time for him and, you know, praise him and read his word and hear the word. This has been an ongoing con- conflict within me for a very long time. And I just wanted to know what is it the Lord has dropped in your spirit about that day? I need clarity. Great question. Uh, let me give you some background from my life. I was raised as a Seventh-day Adventist. I went through Seventh-day Adventist grade schools, college, and graduate school at seminary. So I was raised worshiping on the seventh day of the week, from sundown Friday night till sundown Saturday night. And Sabbath was extremely precious to me. It was the time when I would fellowship with the Lord. But as I grew in my faith and in my understanding of Scripture, I discovered this passage. And let me see if I can find it quickly for you. Um. It's found in the book of Hebrews. Um, Let me find it quickly for you. In Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 6, it still remains that some will enter that rest 
Well, let's go a verse earlier, verse 4. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And the word rest in the Greek means to cease. But it comes from a much deeper word, meaning to repose, or literally bedroom, to enter into your bedroom. And he's saying, it still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For if anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Well, my understanding of this, and you might want to carefully read and pray through Hebrews 3 and 4, but my understanding of this is that Sabbath was the symbol used in the very center of the Ten Commandments to represent Jesus Christ and the gospel. And so for me, what happened is every day became a Sabbath day to me. In other words, when I entered into Jesus, I entered into the Sabbath. I no longer walked under the law, but now I walked in Jesus under the power of the Holy Spirit. So that now my rest is ceasing from my own labor and resting in the work that Jesus has done for me and is doing currently in my life. So I see Sabbath as a symbol of salvation. And I have relatives friends who say to me, Ray, you were raised as a Seventh-day Adventist. You know the truth. How can you possibly not worship on the seventh day of the week? And I very kindly answer them, no, no, you're mistaken. I do worship, and I do not break the Sabbath day. But I also worship on every other day of the week, And every day of the week is appropriate for God's people to come together and worship him. Does that make sense? Yeah, because I'm going to be honest. I had stopped going to my church I was going to for a while off of fear that I I should be going on Saturday versus Sunday. And... um, I try to be careful of what I watch because I don't want, um, you know, you have some people that they may mean well, but they can be very zealous 
and still wrong, kind of like how Paul was before, you know, God took yes. his life and gave it back to him. Yes. And then, um, some of that did creep in, I admit. And I feel like just over the last, I don't know, I want to say maybe three, three weeks or so, it's like I keep feeling like God is leading me to go back to my church, that it's okay. And when I first heard, um, um, that, uh, what's his name again? The one from Through the Bible. When I first heard him say... McGee. Yes, Dr. McGee. When I first heard him say, if your heart is right, then the ritual is right, that was almost like the first glimmer of a little confirmation as to what I was feeling that God was leading me back to go back to my church. I, I don't want to confuse my children, and I don't want to... I don't want to... I'm trying to be very mindful of how I walk, basically. But, and, but you recognize that mm-hmm. that in Jesus, every day is the Sabbath. Yeah. So it's not a question of Sabbath versus Sunday versus Monday or Tuesday. Sunday is not the Sabbath. The seventh day is the Sabbath. But to me, it's a symbol. It's a sign of a person who's who's entered into Jesus, and now every day is a Sabbath. And so, you know, I just turned the television off and got rid of it. I don't do anything during the week that I would not do on a Sabbath. Okay, so so I keep every Sabbath holy, and I keep every other day holy, because I have ceased from my own labor under the law, and I am now in Jesus Christ being made righteous. So would I be wrong to, um, I turned off my cable as well, because I felt like we weren't watching what I wanted us to originally watch, so I just said, I'm turning it off. Good for but you. What I do is, is that I try to watch things that I get some sort of message. Like, I have a tendency that I can watch something, and if the Holy Spirit leads me, he'll give me a message from it. And I was like, oh, you know what? Hey, we shouldn't do that. Because, you know, like, I try to be mindful of what I and my children watch. Um, I wouldn't say I've been the best example, but I'm trying to be a better example because I want my husband come to church with us as well. And I feel like the confusion that I was dealing with with the Sabbath wasn't helpful because I feel like it didn't show him that I could hear from God so he would maybe be inspired to come to church with me. Another yes. question I have is, is that Dr. McGee said that God doesn't talk to you in your dreams. It's only, it's, it's through vision. But um, I have to be honest. That same night that he said that, or that same morning that I heard that, I fell asleep studying for one of my classes. And I had a dream that a fair-skinned woman was sexually assaulted. And I went to go and help her, and I was asking her if she was okay, and I was dusting her off. And I was just checking on her because I was very concerned. And when I woke up from the dream at 5 o'clock in the morning, I went into my bedroom and my husband had the radio on 
And I heard that they arrested a guy in the area where I live. He was 52 years old for sexual assault. I well, can't hear the radio where I was studying, and the door see, was closed. And that's not see, the first time that I've had something. I've had dreams before, and, you know, it come to pass. I actually dreamed that I was going to get hit by a car two weeks before I got hit by the car, and I saw it. The same spot where I got hit is where I got hit. See, there are many positions that you can hold toward something like dreams and visions. Mm -hmm. But the scripture is clear that in the end days, mm -hmm. we will have visions and dreams. So but then those, okay, those visions ahead. and dreams have to be tested against the scripture mm -hmm. because the scripture is the final authority. Mm -hmm. So the, the dreams and visions aren't extra biblical information, but God does speak to us individually about what's happening to deepen our confidence in him and our trust in him. Mm -hmm. uh, but what he really wants is for us to focus on Jesus and keep our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. That's where his heart is. Well, sister, we're out of time. I'm glad to talk with you. Thank you. I'm glad that you answered some of the questions that I had because that was really like, a big thing for me. I was even saying that I want to go back to church on Sunday. And please, please go back. All right, we're out of time. God bless you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I love you, my brother and sister. I'll talk to you soon. Great joy.